It's Thursday morning. It's 8.35 a.m. It can only mean one thing. It's hot. We're live. Welcome, Martin. Good morning. How the devil are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Grifter. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday. Literally, we've just gone past Hump Day, which ought to be named Hop Day this week. Not because of Hop House of Poverty, but Hop because of little Easter bunnies. Um, I'm going to talk about Easter bunnies later on. I should tell you all about it. <laughs> so I want to get straight on with it today because we've got a, a last week with yeah. a brilliant show. Um, lots and lots of lovely feedback. And thank you all about that. And I know that you've been doing the checklist on yes. statistics to be comparing your business to understand exactly what is going on in the marketplace at this moment in time and judging your business against previous um, and future performance. So forecasting. So really good tip sheet that you've been working very hard on. Yeah. So what has been going on in the market? Because everybody told me this can't continue. And by the end of Q1, we know that the market would have... The bubble would have burst. The cost of living crisis would have deflated the market. Um, and we sit here on the 14th of April and it continues. I know you live in one of the hottest cream tea housing markets in the world. Um, but we both talked to lots of estate agents. What is going on in the housing market, middle of April? Were you, can remember when you were young, 1952? We used to turn around, didn't we? And we'd say, when we were young agents, we used to turn around and say, we all rev up for Easter weekend. Easter weekend was always the yeah. big time. It was gathering mental to Easter, then the daffodils came out, we got our Easter eggs, and boom, off we Did they have Easter eggs when you were young? Um, we go off and the market was hit fifth gear. Now it actually feels the other way around because people go away on holiday. But it's a significant time in the housing market every yeah. year, Easter weekend. What the hell is going on? It's it's foot on the accelerator still in the West Country. It is go for your life. In fact, the house price, if anyone is, is looking and watching, I've got a few people live. But if you're listening, I'm holding my hand up and pointing it to the ceiling in an upward trajectory because the house, well, house prices appear to only be going in one direction. And they, that might be a good band. Um, and I, <laughs> I just don't know. The difficulty I've got at the moment is it's so hard to value. I know. I just, I try my best. Stop laughing at my joke. Um, I try my best to value, and actually, it's really, really hard. Hard. How do you get the prices right? Okay, I'm a chartered surveyor. I've got stats coming out of my ears, and still, their valuations to me seem crazy, utterly crazy. You know, someone being in a house for twelve months and it being valued at one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty thousand pound more. Huge guides go. You know, I like to kind of be quite specific. I don't know about you when I'm valuing, so I would say, well. I think your property is worth between 550 and 560. Let's go offers and etc. But valuations are coming in at 575 to 600, but we might get a six. It's like, what are you doing? And that is the challenge at the moment is, is exceedingly difficult to value. Yes. So how do you combat the, the overvaluing? Or is it not overvaluing? You're actually pricing to the market because it's going up. I know that, um, I think it's Anthony Codling, is it Twindig? He put out a really cool stat and I've used that on my appraisals in the last couple of weeks. And he has said since March, 2020, the house prices have risen per property, 50,000 pounds. So house prices have gone up per property by 50,000 pounds. So whatever you're valuing, do you chuck 50 grand on? But actually last month they went up 10.9%. Because the more stats have come out. So it's a challenge. 
Okay, so this is interesting. I was talking to a very good estate agent. I'm actually going to give a shout out because my T-shirt is all about this. There's a lady called Sue Hall who is awesome when I used to work with her. So a friend of mine who ran the um, Landmark Half Marathon last week. Uh, marathon, half marathon, marathon, the landmark marathon down in London last weekend um, in the most difficult of circumstances for prostate cancer. A huge shout out to Sue. Um, but Sue is a phenomenal estate agent as well as a top, top human being. And we were having this very conversation in the fact that she's been like you in a very hot mm. coastal market. Yeah. Um, and it's just cooled a bit. It's just cooled a bit. And how do you then judge what's going on in the marketplace? And so I'm going to play slightly devil's advocate on this. There's only a limited amount of stock coming to the market, and there's a big chunk of estate agents that are dropping their pants on fees to get houses onto the market. As a valuer, change that. As an estate agent, you have to motivate your potential vendor to come to the market. Yeah. So because not there's no point just going out and delivering a figure and shutting the gate and never talking to them again. You've got to motivate them to come to the market. It's a little bit like stood at the end of the swimming pool. You got to push them in the deep end and they start enjoying themselves. So how can you do that? Well, some agents are trying fee. Some agents, maybe the better quality ones, are looking and finding them a house that tempts them to go to the market, that talks about solving their problems, that helps them achieve their life goals. But some we'll be just turning around and saying, well, we'll put a higher price on it and then we'll work the price down because in a rising market, I can get away with it. It feels like challenging estate agency. And it's not the best estate agency, that is it. But maybe that's just a way of people just trying to get instructions. But if you've got now big chunks of houses on the market for longer than 12 weeks, mm. if you're getting big chunks of price reduction starting to come through, I know you don't do price reductions, but Chris Watkins has done a slide that you mm. were shared with me this morning um on twitter or instagram one of the um, it's on linkedin in, on linkedin um and um chris is saying that there's been ninety four thousand three hundred price um reductions yeah. so far this year this quarter this in the first quarter nationally that's a lot of price reductions isn't it well you have to put it into context because the stat that chris shared was comparing this first quarter of 2022 to the first quarter of 2021. And actually, in 2021, there was over 130,000 price reductions, which is a, a massive, a massive amount. Um, I, I kind of like hang my hat on the fact that I, we, my team and I, in my business, we have not had a price reduction since March 2020. And I would say that's about pricing right in the market. But a lot of agents are pricing ahead of the market. And this is what happened in 2007 when the crash came. And so I, I kind of want to say, what are we doing? We are creating in our industry a false market. It's going to be a little bit controversial. Um, we are creating a false market of overvaluing. And we've all been here before. And we get to the top of the pinnacle. And are we at that top of the pinnacle? And we overvalue and everything comes crashing down. Now, I know it's it's a completely different kind of set of scenarios that we've got now, but I would say that the, the stats that have gone out today on Property Industry I talking about house prices remaining robust, also talk about the squeeze um, with the cost of living. And that could be a key contributor preventing home buyers and sellers coming to the market, in which case the prices that are at 
at you know high at the moment I don't believe can be sustained now I know it's supply and demand and if you've got 10 or 12 or 15 buyers for a property then it you know that the market will find its own level but there is some chunky what was it unicorn prices going out <laughs> there on, on price guides and yet you've got the other end of the, the, the spectrum and I've got one in my town where the agent has dropped the price of the property a hundred thousand pounds it came to the market last year it has dropped a hundred grand that is shocking okay so 24 percent of the new instruction or new instructions compared to price reductions this year going to chris's figures 24 percent of those new instructions have been reduced compared to 33 percent last year 82 percent of those new instructions are gross sales to or sales to new instructions 82 percent have sold this year compared to 91 yeah. last year so the market is cooler this year nationally you're in a hot spot um but um, you're absolutely right you be careful what you wish for because you build up momentum you overpriced property and we're ahead of the curve remember we yeah. we're reading what's going on in the marketplace we can see what's going on um but it's I ahead of the general public. I saw a client yesterday. I walked through, I had my hair cut yesterday. Uh, I came out of the barbers and saw a client who um, I uh, have sold a number of houses for over the years. And he said, um, Martin, I don't know how you guys are valuing properties at the minute. Um, they're all over the place. Um, and he's absolutely right. It's, it's a difficult market to judge. You know, we were saying in January last year, is this as good as it gets? That was a yeah. quote. Go back to that podcast first. Jack, yeah. first hop of last year, you said to me on this podcast, is this as good as it gets? It got better and better and better and better. And it's still a very good housing market, isn't it? But mm. just watch your prices, I would say. Just, I think yeah. you, if, you, if you're overpricing stock, stock is coming on, but if you're motivating those vendors by having high prices, um, then you, you're lining yourself up for a fall. Because actually, they know what their house is worth. It was interesting. I was watching a Claire Yates booking a market appraisal um mm. webinar this week um and claire what i like about claire is she says it how it is um and she thinks of things very much from the consumer's point of view and she talks about all these hints and tips which is brilliant but one tip that she said is that nowadays everybody does their research before they have a market appraisal they kind of know what they want to expect before we go out gone are those days like they used to do um used to be when used to be able to go out there and pluck a figure out the air because they didn't know any better than we knew. Um, they've done their research. <laughs> they've done their research. Um, and so she was giving hints and tips on questions on how to ask somebody what they think their house is worth without directly asking them how their house is worth. So the way that Claire was talking about it was that we will always arrive as a valuer having done our research on other properties in the marketplace and demand for your type of property to help me make that as clear and as close as possible. What price bracket do you think the property falls into? Um, and I thought that was a very clever way because, you know, we've had a, one of the comments um, has come through saying that sellers expectations are very high. If we understand that, um, from the from the outset, then you know how you can tell your pitch conversation to bring their expectations down if required. Cool. Well, I'm going to switch it out completely now, okay, and talk about Easter because I Dataloft, the clever, clever people at Dataloft, come up with some awesome um, information. So the latest that they've come out at the moment is nearly 1,700 property sales have taken place on Easter-related addresses over the past 12 months. What do you think is the most popular Easter-related animal name for a house price? Or, or house a name, sorry, or property? 
Name of a property or a road that related yeah, or to Easter. Easter-related animal. Um, oh, animal. Yeah. Bunny close? No, it's lamb. Lamb was the most prevalent Easter-related <laughs> animal, um, included in more addresses than chick, rabbit, or bunny. <laughs> funnily enough, <laughs> I thought I love that. So, 1,700 property sales had Easter-related addresses in the past 12 months across England and Wales. There you go. Useless right. stat for you. I love it. Cross Lane, Christ yeah, close. Hot cross Lane. Hot Cross Lane. Um, we did that one, didn't we? Rude, rude street names and bizarre street names. I, I once sold a house and butthole lane. Um, but anyway, uh, seriously, honestly, hand on hand on heart. Um, so interesting to talk about. I want to say this episode is about doing things differently. So I'm going to chuck a thing at you now. So if we've talked about overvaluing and, and not possibly how we can combat that, but I think we need to come on to that in a minute. But mm. if you had a blank sheet of paper, how would you do estate agency differently? What would you do differently? Because I know that Ooh. agents are kind of saying that there's a lack of stock. Obviously, figures are showing differently that have just come out. Um, do we chuck out a load of leaflets? I don't think so. Do you put a load of boards up? What would you do differently? Because we are we are like rabbits, dare I say, because it's the Easter edition. And we do hop along and follow others um, as an agent. And I know that you've got a couple of kind of leaflets that you've had through your door. But would you be leafleting? What would you do differently? Leaflets are interesting, aren't they? I have had, in the last week, I've had a leaflet from the market leader and the the opposite to the market leader, the crap agent. Um, <laughs> and um, it will be interesting to see if either of those work, because they would have spent a lot of money on leaflets. And it'll be interesting mm. to see if, they, if the market leader grows their market share or the other agent gets into the marketplace. Um, what would I do differently? I think that society has changed and everybody backs the small business. Mm -hmm. So go back to opening of lockdown, you had um, Tesco's putting at the end of their aisles that don't buy beer from us, go to support your local pub. Yeah. Your independent coffee shop. There's a lot of coffee culture going on in the high street mm -hmm. at the moment. The independent coffee shop is outselling and being more profitable than the costas in a town location. The costas, the Nero's, the preps, except Starbucks, etc. People want to buy local. Big business is trying to look small. Google advertise on the TV, um, rate, uh, do a Google review for your local business. All big business, big organizations are trying to look small. So if I was to start again, I'd be making sure that I have something that's personal, that's different, and that is totally, and you might say, well, why aren't you doing this anyway? Totally focused around the customer, not the transaction. And I think that's a massive shift in the state agency from an attitude of transactional mm -hmm. to completely service-driven. Yeah. Oh, that was quite a good answer off the top. I like that. I, I like reckon. that. So I found that stories and guides have okay. really, it's just a bit different. So uh whether so so this last kind of week or so, I've done about 10, 12 valuations. Um, and I have found wow. about 85 percent. Oh okay. Um, yeah. and I and the rest I'm following up. Um and we'll come on to that. <laughs> Um, and um, I have found that, ha that, that this week, the, the ones that I value, probably about 70% of them, so seven in 10, are first-time sellers. Now, I mm. have looked 
or a first-time seller's guide. So that is, you know, they go, what happens? They don't know because they were too young when their parents bought the house or they this first time they've gone in together or it might be a single person, but they've got a partner now involved who's talking to them and telling them, but it isn't necessarily the guidance that they need. And there is nothing that I could see out there that was a guide for first-time sellers. And there's an awful lot of them out there. So it's just stories, you know, guides helping, helping, but being that professional as well. And talking about overvaluing, I've had several that I've come in at being a lower valuation. Love to work with you, Katie, but you're 25 grand below the, the next highest one. And actually, we were thinking we wanted this. Yeah. And actually, just how you deal with that message and just go, do you know what? Absolutely fine, Mr. Seller. Let's give it a go at this level. Price guide offers in excess of what do you think? When can I come and measure up? And that has actually really, really helped because you're showing that there have been other vendors in this position that they haven't chosen the highest agent. And I'm not finding that fees are an issue. I probably shouldn't say that if any of my competitors are listening. Um, But I haven't found that fees are an issue at the moment. But I think definitely more guidance um, on sales advice that... That is what yeah. being the professional, getting that across, and also the the fact to say you're starting again with a blank sheet of paper. But as a, an established agent, the fact that we haven't had a price reduction for such a period of time, and we are achieving 103.7 percent of the guide, you're in excess of the guide price. It's the stats and the figures that quite a few people want to see. But you get some clients who don't want the stats and figures; they want the pictures and yeah. the stories. So understanding if they're a red or yellow person or a blue or green person and all that, Um, which is really, actually really important. So do you ever find that you've got a very established brand, your brand has been in the location for a long time. Mm. Um, Do you ever get stuck in the, and maybe maybe it's you, maybe it's people who you work with, maybe it's the attitude of your your consumers or or the community, is that we've always done it that way Mm. or it won't work here. They're really, they're they're things that I hear a lot when I'm going into estate agents. So it won't work here, Martin. It might work elsewhere, but it won't work here. People in this town are different. Um, They're not. They're really not. Um, They're the same everywhere else. Um, We've tried that once. It won't work. So it's like that. How many times in the estate agency do we hear this where we try something and it doesn't give us a silver bullet response and we drop it? And you have a slide which um, we've used recently, which is a quote from Hussein Bolt that turns around and yeah. says, um, I worked for four years for, to work towards nine seconds. Why do people in business give up when something doesn't work after eight weeks? Yeah. And exactly the same. That's perfect for our industry, isn't it? People yeah. try something, you don't get an instant response like and it becomes it. a problem. And yeah. I would suggest now, so I'm hearing that cash flow is becoming a bit of an issue in some of the new upstart estate agents. Yeah. Um, or and I, I, the, these guys have nothing but my sympathy. They're, they're putting their neck on the line. They're working bloody hard, but cash flow is a problem. Yeah. Um, how do you overcome that? I would say is around your prospecting. You're investing yeah. in your business to be able to keep getting keep getting more and more business later on. And you were talking about this last week in terms of follow up. The FU yeah. guide. Um, the FU guide. <laughs> um, the follow-up guide. But again, post-market appraisal follow-ups. How many times yeah. do you walk down the garden path, shut the gate behind you and never call these people again? Yeah. And actually, we we talked, like you said, last week about follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Because 
Uh, an interesting stat from Susanna at Akaboom um, that I saw this week was um, over 30%, and sorry if I haven't got, but it's that sort of level, uh, over 30% of um, vendors that you go out and appraise their properties, they take over a month to decide which agent they're going to pick. Now, quite often as a valuer, we're onto that next shiny thing because it's too difficult, there's too much to follow up, but actually it's down to prospecting and systems and being relentless at what you do. And this is back to probably your to-do list, isn't it? And just going, this is what I have to do. And if you break it down um, simply, you can get these things done. Because whilst everyone is shouting that there is a shortage of stock, there is so much in your database and so much you can follow up. Even if you just took um, five calls a day, yeah, five calls a day, 20 minutes of your time yeah and in the morning you did three calls and in the afternoon if you're an afternoon person you do, you do the rest yeah um and you you literally you are phoning those people that haven't come to the market but who you know so they've they're a warm lead they're a potential seller um or even someone who's moved house 18 months two years ago just checking in do you want you know because without creating these opportunities and they are all there for us we just have to go out and find it and i you know i, I sort of liaise with you martin and there have been a lot of agents bemoaning on social media the market and how tough it is they've got nothing in their diaries you know what should they be doing and, and i my heart goes out to them but really we should continually be prospecting it shouldn't just be something we look to do on a reactive basis when we've got Nothing in our diary or little stock. But don't sit there and think, I've left it too late. No. The best time to start prospecting is about 10 past nine this morning when you made a cup of tea. Yeah, but interesting, interesting, <laughs> three months ago would be ideal, but at least it at 10 past nine. But I was, and I've not listened to the whole of it yet, but I was listening to Stephen Bartlett, the guy off of Dragon's Den, yeah. um, interviewing on his CEO podcast, Karen Brady, um, vice chair of West Ham and general business guru and mm. she was talking about how her career started and like lots of us we got into sales because we couldn't do anything else and mm. we didn't know what else we wanted to do and why was she successful when she was in sales because she picked up the phone and just relentlessly picked up the phone it's brilliant i'm only halfway through it's a brilliant podcast if you get a chance to listen to that um back to easter yeah what do you get if you pour hot water down a rabbit hole I don't know. What do you get if you pour hot water down a rabbit hole? <laughs> hot cross bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. So your blank sheet of paper again, right? With oh, your God, estate agency, okay. yeah, and, and doing something different. Um, zero week contracts. Tie people in because we're coming to a tougher market. What's your thoughts? When I was a young valuer, as we were approaching the winter, we were told to tie and extend our whole agency agreements to get us over the winter. Um, so that was always a tactic that was being used throughout the industry. Now, going back to that customer-focused attitude, if you are confident in your abilities to sell a property and your service that you're going to deliver, then why not let them sack you at a moment's notice? Mm -hmm. And actually, how many of how many times do you have somebody ring up and say they'd like to withdraw from your um, service, your your agency, and you turn around to them and say, I'm sorry, Middup, you're under a sole agency contract. You ain't going nowhere, sweetheart. Um, you don't, do you? Because that would yeah. be a horrendous thing to put your team through or you through to constantly talk to this person that doesn't want to be there. So yeah. 
Are, are, are soul agency periods, time periods, fit for purpose? Well, the answer maybe, is probably, probably not. Maybe in 1995, but maybe mm. not in 2025. Yeah. So we do, I'll say, a blended um, kind of contract. But actually, recently, certainly in the last... <laughs> That's hiding been, behind it, isn't it? Blended. Hybrid, blended. Yeah. Um, I have not been asked how long my soul agency period is. It is not a question that sellers and landlords ask, actually. That's what that's what I found recently. But I think if you are giving, like you said, if you are giving that service and you're on the phone constantly to that seller or that landlord, it, you don't need to tie them into a long period of time because the service and the professionalism that you're delivering, that is your contract, that, yeah. isn't it? They're not going to go anywhere. If, you, if you're not doing what you say you're going to do, then you deserve to lose that client. Strong statement, isn't it? To turn around yeah. and say the other agent's tying you in for six, 12, 18, 20 weeks. I won't tie you in at all because people stay with me. And if they don't, then I let them go and we shake hands and hopefully we'll be able to buy each other a pint at another time. And then I hunt them down and kill them. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, buy of the week, buy of the week. Now, I haven't, because it's Easter, yeah, I haven't actually brought it with me, the buy of the week. You've got your hot cross bunnies there. I, I am taking your um, Marmite hot cross buns from last week. I'm raising you. I mean, you are from bloody Waitrose. These are from Aldi. That's the difference between you and me. Um, is Ooh. rhubarb and custard Ugh. hot cross buns. Disgusting. Oh, that my is God. ruining them. That is not something that should oh. be on the cross bun. Oh. Yes. Oh. Taste sensation, sweetheart. Taste no. sensation. My buy of the week is from Hotel Chocolate. I don't know whether it's chocolate or chocolate, is it? I don't know anyway. Um, it doesn't have an E on the end, I don't think so it's chocolate. Is the velvetizer. Now, have you got one of these? No. Oh, you've got to get it. You've got to get it. Now it's very is quite weird. It is quite expensive, and it is another thing that you can put on your side of your kitchen to clutter it up, along with your coffee machine, your milk um, frother. But you don't need any of that with the velvetizer because you, you you can just do everything. Hot chocolates, oh my god! Mint hot chocolate, orange hot chocolate. You pop it in, it makes the most delicious hot chocolate ever. Now, obviously. I've decided that that is what my kids are having because I'd quite like it instead of Easter eggs. And if you do a subscription <laughs> model, it, it comes out a half price. There you go. So I'm big up to the Hotel Chocolate Velvetizer, which is excellent. They won't However, send you one. They won't send I don't know how many times you've mentioned it. However, I would say that sometimes we just need a little bit of luxury because we're very, very busy. And that is a big tick in the box, Hotel Vel hotel Chocolate and your Velvetizer. I love it. For a second then, I thought I was sharing a podcast with Nigella Lawson, not Katie the Grifter. Um, superb. One last thing that I wanted to talk about today was um, going back to um, a topic that we talked about previously, which is recruitment. And um, how when we've talked about recruitment in the past, we've talked about the yeah. fact that um, we need to keep hold of good people, that good people are hard to come by. Don't tolerate um, poor people because good people will leave um, and all this kind of jazz. But actually, I want to flip it, flip it on its head because you are recruiting at the moment and you've done some Ooh. social media advertising, which has really worked. Yeah, just Tell really simple. More. 
just really, really simple stuff. It was just a, a kind of a moving image created on Canva. And it was just like, we're recruiting. If you're quite fun um, and, you know, you look at things a bit differently, but actually you are so, so hot on customer service and the, you will bend over backwards for the client, then come and talk to me. And we've just put that out on Instagram and on Facebook. And actually, I know this doesn't sound a lot, but I've, I've had eight now responses, which is far more that I than I would have if I'd gone with, say, a £200 um indeed recruitment advert and obviously substantially less than um a re recruitment agent and it my kind of thought is that is recruitment which we should always be doing continually um um changing along with kind of well the analogy is putting this to your properties on the market isn't it and then more we do on facebook and we list away from the portals the more we're winning is that the same with recruitment now i think it probably is and sort of medium down. But I think if you're going at the very, very top level, the CEO kind of thing, then there's a place for recruitment. I've just been really lucky and had some really good quality people through because that's that's the thing, isn't it? Um, but everybody outside of the industry, so nobody with a state agent or letting agent experience, but several, over half actually, um, who have had experience of buying and selling or have got a buy to let, so they're a landlord, Yep. So they've had some experience of the property industry, but not at the coalface. Um, or they have done a renovation and sold it on. And I thought that was quite interesting. So they're, they've got an excitement and you know, passion for possibly property, um, but not direct experience. So it's just interesting. I'll, I'll let you but know how it turns out. But don't you think that's fascinating in the fact that actually um, you can teach somebody to be an estate agent? It, estate agency is not rocket science. We can make really good estate agents by imparting knowledge on them, but you can't get those key personality traits, the hunger, the desire, the customer focus, the passion, the fun, um, or whatever it might be for your business. If they're not there, then you're a waste of time. It doesn't matter if they've got experience or not within the industry. I think, like you say, yeah. the passion's good. Um, I think you're absolutely spot on. Always, always, always recruit. Because if you've not got a position, keep interviewing people because you become the party that everybody wants yeah. to join and can't get in. And yeah. um, that, um, so when they do get the opportunity to go in, you've got everybody wanting it. And just on my recruitment advert, I would say that um, I get a lot of estate agents following me, obviously, on my Facebook page, <laughs> as I'm sure lots of other people listening to this show do. And you might find that if you do a similar advert, and I'm happy to share it, it's not a problem, um, <coughs> Uh, you might find that some of the agents that follow you put really hilariously uh, funny comments uh, onto your um, link, well, not LinkedIn, so your Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but so thank you, Martin. Thank you, Jan Heitch. And thank you, Ian Potter, for your comments <laughs> about how much alcohol you need to consume to be able to join my business. Anyway. Maybe maybe Janny and I created some interest on your, um, on your job advert. Okay, so... Been a busy show, lots going on. We're just about to head into Easter. I think for some agents, it's a well-deserved break. I hope that people have given themselves some time to have some family time because it's a really important to keep that work-life balance. And holy smoke, we've been working hard as an industry, mm. um, getting exchanges through, getting house on the market, dealing with clients. Make sure that you give yourself some time over these next four days. Um, just to spend some time on you and rest your brain a little bit, I think is a good thing. Um, but that's it. That's the end of House of Property for this week. Um, thank you very much for joining us. There's been some great interaction 
from people, some lovely likes. If you like what we've heard today, please share on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find us on um, wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, um, live on Facebook every Thursday, 8.35. Thank you all very much for joining and have a very, very happy Easter. 